and welcome to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And uh, and this is another patron requested pick. Uh, George P has requested that we cover Beavis any, and Butthead. Any relation? No, this Jeremy one is P. not a relation to Jeremy P. It's uh, it is okay. a completely different P. Uh, but he has asked us to cover Beavis and Butthead for the Sega Genesis, and we will get to that momentarily. But before we do, Billy, what have you been playing since our last show? Well, I had a a, a breakthrough. You know, I was prepared to get on here and uh, and send uh, listeners' eyes rolling by talking about CrossCode again. Something came up in the Switch shop that, that has at least temporarily taken me away. I picked that Hades up. And I'm going to tell you a little something. That game uh, is, is really fucking good. Um, I loved the combat in Bastion. Like, I, I really loved the way it felt. I loved the way it controlled the variety of weapons. That is this. Uh, it's that again. Uh, very identical in some places, uh, but just with a, a Greek mythology gimmick to it. Uh, and it is tremendous. Uh, and it has probably some of the, some of the best voice acting I, I've heard in quite a while, too. Um, yeah, definitely one uh, worth picking up. I, I highly recommend it, especially, like I said, if you, if you like Bastion. Um, it, it, it also does a great job of telling a story as you go along, too. Uh, it, it's wonderful game and you know i didn't know a single thing about it um and, and still don't know anything about it so i i don't know how far i am uh you know how much longer i have but i've enjoyed every minute of it so far and uh it's a nice little difficult game to boot yeah i've heard a lot of good things about it actually but i have not tried it i also managed to pick up a random switch game uh, this was one I had on my, on my, you know, like you can put a favorites list or whatever, and it yes. was on sale, and I kept waiting for this to come out. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, top-down, you know, shmups kind of games. I'm bad at mm. them. I'm not, I cannot in any way claim that I'm good at them, but I, I enjoy them, and I don't buy too many of them because I already have so many other formats, but there's been a couple for the Switch I've been waiting on. Uh, sadly, mm. a good sale, because I really should just buy these games outright. They aren't expensive, uh, but, you know, with, with kids and stuff, I just don't, I can't buy every game I want. I have to put a few on a, on a back burner. So this one, uh, Pawarumi, I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, it's P-A-W-A-R-U-M-I. <laughs> it is a lot like Ikaruga in that you have to switch back and forth, but instead of being a straight polarity switch that's that almost like you can't hurt things or... Uh, if you're on the wrong beam, you're not going to, you, you do damage and the other one you don't. This is like three different powers. Uh, and depending on green, blue, or red, which you are, uh, shooting the enemy while it always will destroy them. Uh, there's one that does double damage. If it's like green, does double damage to red. But then if you're using green and you shoot a green uh, spaceship, it also causes your shield to go up. And if you shoot a blue spaceship, then it causes your uh, special weapon to power up. So you have to kind of back and forth kind of dance between the attacks you're using to make sure you always have maximum shield or mm. as close to it as you can. Um, you, you know, some of your super moves saved up when you need them, and also to make sure you're doing double damage on on larger enemies to make sure they go out fast enough before they fill the screen with bullets. I, I've been playing that. I am nowhere near what I would say is good at it, but I'm, I'm playing through it slowly and enjoying myself. It's one I've been waiting on. But after our last bonus show on Bully, mm -hmm. we mentioned The Warriors, which I've had yeah. and started about 25 times. Well, I started it the 26th time, and I'm now farther than <laughs> I've ever been in it. I have to give myself hey credit. Now. I'm playing through. I've decided a game like that, if I play through a mission every day, because there's only like yeah. 16 or 17 chapters, if I play through a mission 
because each chapter is, has one main mission. Every day, I will finish this game. Uh, I do some of the side stuff, uh, but mainly I'm just plowing through the main game, and, and I am enjoying it. So I, I'm going to finally finish The Warriors. Uh, maybe someday we'll talk about it. But but I think if you listen to the last Bully uh, bonus show, we kind of mentioned what we liked about The Warriors, that it is kind of a smaller, self-contained game from Rockstar. It's not a giant open game. So I, I'm playing through mm-hmm. that again as well, uh, and that is what I've spent most of my time on, other than, of course, playing this game we're going to talk about shortly. But Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last show? All right, guys, I need you to like hold on for this, but... I beat a game. What? I beat a game in 2020. Is, th- is there an end to Destiny 2? No, this isn't even Destiny 2. This is a, a completely different game. Uh, I think I actually spoke about it on here before, but it's uh, Control. And Oh, yeah. What I, do you I, think? I think when I first started talking about it, it was very hit or miss with me. Like, I really liked the story. I really liked the characters and, you know, the way the world that it was kind of building. But there was also a lot of things I didn't like about it. I didn't like getting around. Um, the combat seemed iffy and I hated the map, like just every, a lot of things were kind of pulling it back for me from really enjoying it. But I actually mm. sat down in the last few weeks and was like, you know what? I'm just going to beat this game because I, there's too many things I like about it to not beat it. And also, I don't think I've actually beat a game in 2020 besides, you know, just sitting here around here playing destiny and final fantasy 14. So I, I, went through it and a few of the, a couple of those things kind of went away. The combat definitely gets a lot better once you find like the different powers that you can get. Uh, it, it really doesn't give you much at all at the beginning. It's very much just a shooty shooty kind of game. But as you go along, you find a lot more like supernatural powers that you can get that makes a, a lot of the encounters very different depending on which way you go. You know, you've got your flying powers. You've got your, your you know, I've, I'm sure everybody's seen your, your telekinetic powers. You can pick stuff up and throw them. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you can upgrade through each of those powers or those trees. And it actually changes a lot of them to a, a good deal. So it's really whatever you like, you know, you can really kind of push it and, and make the game what you want as far as combat. Mm. The story just gets better and better. There's a part towards the end of that game that basically just makes the game makes the game completely worth playing. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it, but it's right there towards the end. And my God, when it was over, I was, it was just one of those things. I was just smiling because it was just so good. And they did it perfectly. Uh, please play through control just to get to the ash maze, not the ass maze, which is a completely different thing. The ash maze is great. But the other thing that really kind of dragged it down to when I was talking about it before was just getting around. And that never went away. It's a chore to get around in this game. And if you don't know where to go, if you don't know what you're doing, you're not going to figure it out. Because the map stays the shittiest map I've ever seen in a video game all the way through the end. And it just figuring out where you need to go because the game doesn't do a very good job. It just kind of gives you a vague description of where you need to go in the mm. building. It's like... Uh, instead of, you know, how every other game in the world has done it since, you know, the last 20 years of putting uh, a checkpoint or something on the map telling you where to go, it just kind of says, like, executive, central, or something like that. So, and a lot of these these areas that it tells you to go are very large. So it could be anywhere in that. Sometimes the characters will kind of tell you where you need to go, what door. But it doesn't tell you to go go to the fourth floor in central executive or something like that, or wherever the fuck it was. There were more than a few times where I actually had to go to YouTube and just figure out where this game is wanting me to go. And it's not very clear at all. 
But man, that story and just it doesn't really go anywhere at the end, but it's so good. It, it's just, you know, the SCP kind of game that I've always wanted. It's it does it very well. And now that it's actually kind of connected with the Alan Wake games, oh. it's it's perfect. It is a perfect mesh of of those two games. And, and I played through the DLC of it. And God, yeah, it's it's just like, wow, they, they couldn't have done a more perfect job of finding universe to combine these two together mm. so uh yeah i i enjoyed it it's it's got some some rough parts but definitely worth playing through well a game that has absolutely nothing to do with the alan wake games is the game we're going to talk about today which was recommended <laughs> it does by have some rough parts though. <laughs> it does have a few rough parts uh recommended by a patron george p who i'm going to do a short interview with uh before we talk about the game itself so here is george p explaining why he picked Beavis and Butthead for the Sega Genesis. So, George, welcome to the show, and thank you for picking a game that none of us had really played before, uh, the Beavis and Butthead game for the Genesis. And I'm glad it was the Genesis, because we did, one of us at least, started with the Super Nintendo version until I told them I was the, it was the wrong game. Thank you for having me. Um, honestly, it was the first game I picked. Didn't really have anything else on, on my mind. I mean, you, you guys did the video for Boogerman, so that kind of covered it. <laughs> That's definitely, yeah, Boogerman was one we had on our list, but since uh, we did have a video of it, we didn't cover it. Now, this one, uh, I'm assuming this is a game you played when it was fairly new and, and you know, not, not just a game you thought, I don't know anything about it, I'll ask these guys to cover it, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, so, <clears throat> I am the world's biggest Guar fan. Um, I saw them on Beavis and Butthead, and uh, I've loved them ever since. So, when that game came out, I had to had to have it. So I, I've definitely played it um, when, when I was a kid. I didn't really like it very much, but I was happy to see Seguar, and I thought the game looked neat, like it looked like the cartoon. Oh yeah, it looks very much like the cartoon, and it feels like the cartoon. The jokes and the humor all, all would make sense to how the cartoon was. Um, and I do realize, as I'm saying that, that we probably do have some listeners that had never seen the cartoon and was new, uh, but, but hopefully they'll have <laughs> some references of, to who Beavis and Butthead are. Um, did you finish this game? Um, with codes when I was a kid, um, through a playthrough, I played like a little bit of each level. I don't fully understand what is going on, um, in that game. Like it, it seems, um, I thought it was like, a like back then I thought it was going to be like a point and click adventure. Cause like some of the levels, like, like there's an aspect to the levels where you do have puzzles and stuff. I thought it was going to be an entire game like that, but it's not, it's, uh, it's like, you have the, the little um, thing like where you where you go to Burger World and um, you know put the fries in the, the little fry later thing and you make the guy throw up. Um, so there's there's things like that in every level, but I thought it was more like the um, I thought it was going to be more like that PC game that they had for Windows ninety five the Vidiots. Nobody remembers it. Yeah, I don't even remember Vidiots, and I sold video games at that time and should know it. <laughs> I was just. Happy to see, like, like I put in the code so I can go to the end and, and see Guar, the little Guar show and everything, because I knew otherwise I would have no idea how to play it, because um, as much as I do think it looks really nice, and uh, I'm happy to see 
all the characters and everything, and I do think the game's funny. Um, it doesn't play that great. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't succeed uh, in, in several aspects. I think it tries to do too many things. It, it, it has that puzzle-solving section, almost the point-and-click adventure, that you're right, almost every area does have. But it also has, in almost every area as well, uh, a bunch of action sequences, and one of those things, either the puzzle-solving or the action sequences, uh, does not work very well, and we're going to get into pretty good detail on, <laughs> on our problems with that. But yes, you're not, you're not alone in not quite understanding exactly what you're supposed to do. I think that's another big complaint uh, that I would have, is that, that a lot of the directions you need... I, honestly, I don't know how you'd figure this game out without a feck. I mean, I, I finished it. Uh, but I, I literally had to constantly reference back after spending the first half of my week just hammering my head against the wall, not getting anywhere. I assume you're probably mostly referencing a uh, a specific race. <laughs> there's, a racing level. <laughs> there, there's a specific racing level, but even even um, like the sewer section, also very difficult. Considering oh, uh, <laughs> there, there are several sections where I'm like, why? Why did someone think this was fun? And and we're going to get into all those because uh, it is a very short game. You can finish this game in, in maybe 20 minutes once you know what you're doing. Uh, so yeah. so the game, while it is uh, kind of a mess and doesn't really guide you what to do, over time, I guess you could figure out generally what you're supposed to do. But um, I'll be shocked if any of the other guys on here got through this game without looking up most of the solutions. I definitely had to. Uh, but I did finish it, and it was a fun one I had never played before. Now... Uh, you said you finished it with codes. Did you just literally get the code to get all the ticket pieces, or did you actually fully explore each area? I got the codes when I was a kid. This time, I just watched the playthrough, so I've seen the entire game. Okay, so. okay, yeah. I, I, there was one section that I admittedly, I, I don't think I ever would have figured out, and I had to kind of restart uh, because I didn't have enough money. And we'll get into that complaint, <laughs> which is a pretty big one considering the kind of game this is. But um, I, I, you know what? We're, we're going to talk about it. But I do say, I, I will say, I think we all had a lot of fun with this one. And, and thank you for picking a game that was unlike anything we would have thought of. Uh, this is definitely not a game I would have, uh, have picked on my own. And even looking at the box, I didn't really know what kind of game this was. And I'm kind of surprised, pleasantly so, at the mix of game that it is. I'm... I'm happy you guys played it. It's uh, at the very least, it's it's a time capsule. Like you said, it probably doesn't make much sense to some people now, um, but I think there's a there's a new series coming out, so maybe there'll be like a resurgence of Beavis and Butthead stuff. And if so, then this is gonna be the biggest podcast we've ever done. I'm very <laughs> excited for that possibility. Uh, this could be what finally pushes us to seven listeners. So thank you so much for choosing thank this you. one, and uh, and yeah. So we'll tell you what we think in a minute when we come back. So yeah, that's why George picked this game and his thoughts on it. Now we're going to share our thoughts on it. Have either of you guys played the Beavis and Butthead game on any console, but specifically the Genesis? I had because, oh boy, at the time this came out, I think I was at that right age uh, where I was obsessed with that damn show. Um, I, I act like I grew out of it. Um, you know, they talked a while back about the show coming back and I was all about it. Um, but yeah, I, I love the show. Uh, and so I, you know, from the first kind of mention, um, you know, in the magazines, I was waiting for it. Um, the Super Nintendo one, I believe I rented one time 
uh, and, and played a little bit. And but this one, the one on the Genesis, uh, is the one that uh, when I had company over, we went to the video store. Um, Super Nintendo one was out, Genesis one was in. Picked it up, and you know we spent uh, spent a good bit of time playing through it. So yeah, I I, I was kind of familiar with both with both of these going in. I've never actually played either of them. I remember mm-hmm. it was like one of those rare games that my video store got multiple copies of in for like um, both the Super Nintendo and the Genesis. Mm. So I saw it a lot. I and, and I, but I, I was a, a pretty big fan of the show. And I wanted to ask you guys: Have either of you tried to actually watch Beavis and Butthead within like the last fifteen years, maybe? Uh, you know, I um, I it's right there for you. I mean, we act like stuff is inaccessible. Um, no, I have not because I, I have a very good feeling how that holds up. Um, so th- those are some memories. Um, you know, if, if I can help it, I try to keep memories untarnished. I have also not watched Beavis and Butthead anytime recently. I know they did like a, a short run on Comedy Central or something, uh, another channel, maybe it was even MTV a few years ago, but it was only like a couple months long and they're actually planning another like Comedy Central based renewal next year, but I have not watched it in a long time. I do remember that the the revival didn't have the music video sections, which was the only thing that really I, I was looking forward to. So uh, no, I have not watched the originals, uh, and I don't know if those would hold up extremely well. Nor would a lot of people want to see the music videos that are in them. I was gonna say like the main thing like a few years ago when I actually started like I was like man I should watch Beavis and Butthead again. I haven't seen that since I was a kid, and I did, but the music videos were gone and I didn't realize just how much that made that show. Like I re- I remember as a kid, I, I really enjoyed watching the cartoon aspects of it. And I wasn't, you know, I, I enjoyed the music part and I was always just kind of like, man, I just wish the music would get over with it so I can watch the rest of this cartoon. But like taking that out of these videos, it's not the same. And I, it was really, really hard for me to just sit through like episodes of Beavis and Butthead without, that music in between because it's just it, you would think it would just destroy the pacing of it but that's what kind of made that show yeah it was it was very haphazardly thrown together and the videos the the idea of two you know burnouts teenagers on the couch watching videos and making fun of them you know is is kind of what held the show together so to not have those mm-hmm. videos there it would just lead to a lot of uh, you know short vignettes that don't tie together very well i don't know if you've watched the movie anytime recently it's okay uh but but again it's another thing where it's kind of like did it need a movie probably not um you know as we mentioned this is based on the beavis and butthead television show uh, it was around from 1993 to 1997 on mtv it was based on a short called Frog Baseball. It was on Liquid Television. If you guys remember Liquid Television, it's also mm-hmm. where like Aeon Flux and all these other really cool shorts came from. Uh, and that one was popular enough to come up with its own cartoon show, which was, yes, what we just explained. They basically would, would be, Beavis and Butthead would be sitting on the couch watching, uh, not even current, like a lot of time older music videos, yeah. and just making fun of them, but not like... I don't want to say not in a clever way because they did make me laugh, but like the dumbest ways to make fun of videos. And and it was just, I loved watching that show for that purpose. And it was just mindless, but great. Uh, they, they, this game came out, uh, the show was 1993. So the, the show, came, this game came out in 1994. And then the movie that I just mentioned came out two years later. I don't know why I thought this came out to tie into the movie. It has nothing to do with the plot of the movie. I just figured that's when you do a video game when you have a movie coming out. Uh, but this video game came out before the movie. And, in the video game, you play as Beavis and Butthead, and you are supposed to uh, essentially go see Guar. If you don't know Guar, 
do a Google search. You'll find out a bunch of cool videos. Uh, they're amazing to see live. Not a band I care to hear, but that's okay. Uh, most people <laughs> don't care to hear my band either, so I, I can't say much. Um, but So they get two tickets to see Guar, and you know, through some comical uh, way, some dog steals them and then uh, drops them on, throws them up in the ground, and then the neighbor runs over them the lawnmower. And so now your two tickets are cut up into nine pieces total and you have to go around the whole town finding the pieces of your tickets to tape back together so you can go see guar it's a very beavis and butthead story and i think that the game despite anything else we may say i think it still has that same sense of humor as the show and it doesn't dumb it down necessarily i think it actually feels very much like people who were into the show or people who worked on the show helped put together the story and the the comedy parts of this game I, yeah, because like turning this on, uh, it, it just it looks good. It looks like the cartoon, mm-hmm. for better or worse. The cartoon was very crudely drawn. A lot of the characters, you know, they this was very early in Mike Judge's career as far as like him being able to draw things, and so a lot of this just kind of looks like some some like fifteen year old threw it on a piece of paper or something. But you know that it's true to the show, and it, it does a very good job of like with the animation. All the characters look exactly like you'd think they should look like from the TV show. Everything is very recognizable. The locations are done well. It's a very plain-looking game, but at the same time, you can't say that's a downside because that's the way the show looked. This is just a, a you know, a very basic-looking cartoon. Yeah, and I'm right there with you on that. I think if a uh, uh, any other cartoon that was maybe you know a little better drawn, if this is what they put out. <laughs> There, there may have been a little more outrage, but uh, immediately, you know, cutting this one on, you know, they they do their best to kind of give you that title screen. You get a little bit of voice here and there, and it's you know, it's what you'd expect. Uh, there, it's there's a little static hiss before <laughs> you get those voice lines. But no, I mean uh, the presentation of this game, uh, in comparison to the show, yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 a pretty good feel. And and like Jeremy P said, I think the the story they came up with for this one, um, probably the one of the better ideas you could think of for for a goal in a, a Beavis and Butthead video game. Uh, I, I don't know if there's many ways you could go um, with those characters. Uh, but yeah, uh, early on, you know, cutting this thing on and and getting a look and a listen at it, I, I was all in. It, it kind of it took me back immediately. Well, and, and they get, they have the actual voices from the show, and they do use mm-hmm. them, but not heavily. I mean, we just talked about a game that uh, with with Willie Beamish that was focused on using voice for everything. So even if you looked at an apple, a voice would load up for thirty seconds and say, "This is an apple." Yeah, Billy mm-hmm. doesn't really like apples or whatever. So it was like, I, you know, this game. Thankfully, it has Beavis and Butthead making a few comments here and there. It has. Uh, the characters from the show you'd recognize, but thankfully most of them either don't talk at all or it's a like a block of speech that comes up on the screen that you can read real quick and go on. So it, it does have some speech, but not too, too much. It's yeah. still, it, you know, they, they kind of did a good balance between still sounding like Beavis and Butthead, but not wasting your time with too, too much talking. I, I, I do appreciate that. If oh, you ahead. just glance at this game, like from even from the back of the box or something, so far from what we've said, this is exactly what you need to do to make a Beavis and Butthead <laughs> game on the Genesis. Well, and so that so I, far, 
right. So far, they they've met what they need to do. It it has the humor, it has the characters, it has a little bit of speech, and, it, and it's Beavis and Butthead's character. They do, you know, like the head banging motions when you leave them standing still. When they get mm. pieces of their ticket, they do a little dance that would be something to do on the show. Like all of it is is exactly what you'd want. Um, because it's a licensed property Genesis game, I, I forgot to say earlier, I'd never played this before because I assumed it would be a bad platformer. Because mm. almost every bad licensed property was a bad platformer. Um, you know, the, the Red and Stimpy game on Super Nintendo, not a very good game, bad platformer. All the Simpsons games, most of them at least, uh, were platformers and not very good, especially the 16-bit era. Yes, I know some of them yeah. uh, later on were, were quite good. But in this time frame, you're talking Bart's Nightmare. Not a, an enjoyable time frame. <laughs> so I expected this game would be a bad platformer where most likely the characters are too big. Um, however, once you start the game up, you're in their house and you can't go anywhere other than there's the, the living room with the couch where they watch television and then a bedroom and you go back and forth and realize, wait a minute, I'm actually picking up items that go into an inventory. So this now is a little bit more like the Willy Beamish and that it's a, mm -hmm. a point and click adventure in some points, but it's not a point and click in that you're not, there's no cursor on the screen. You're walking Beavis and Butthead around and essentially the A button, if you hold it down, lets them run. The B button's a jump button, a uh, very floaty jump, but again, not, not too surprising. Uh, and then the C button is kind of the all-purpose action button. It picks up items. If you have the right item equipped, it uses it. If you're attacking something, uh, once you get a weapon, the C button also attacks. So it has the, it actually has like an interface that allows you to, to do some puzzle solving. And there is mm -hmm. some puzzle solving. Um, uh, the first puzzle is, what do you do to get out of your house? As you're walking around the house, you'll pick up a pair of pants, and you'll pick up um, as you go through their couch, you can you can hit the action button by their couch, and you'll dig through the couch and find a piece of pizza and a donut. Uh, but also on the end table is a remote. If you have the remote selected, all of a sudden, when you sit in front of the couch and hit the action button, they'll turn on the TV. And this is where you get to go to other parts in the town through using the, the TV remote. So there's the house you start in. Not an option here, but generally if you're anywhere else in the game and use the TV option to leave, it takes you back to their house. So there's the Turbo Mall 2000. Uh, I'm just going to go through the names of them all, and we can get into what each one does. Uh, the street outside of their house, Burger World, where they worked on the show, a hospital, Highland High School, which is why it fits perfectly in Back to School Month, uh, the drive-in, and then, of course, the Guar concert. And the whole point of the game is to go to these other parts of the town, find items, use them in certain spots to solve puzzles, and get the pieces of your tickets back, get them all put together, and then you can go to the Guar concert. I mean, it's as cut and dry of what you're supposed to do from the overall arc of what the adventure game would be in this. However, because this is a 16-bit uh, licensed game, and if you just had them kind of doing this, this point-and-click puzzle thing, I don't think it would have been as appealing to the, the market they were aiming at. Instead, each of these sections also has, unfortunately, a fairly large action-slash-platforming theme to most of these levels mm. uh sometimes it's very contained uh the hospital for example we'll get into has a very much like here's the puzzle section and here's the action section uh, other ones kind of mix it up where as you're trying to go through and do these very simple puzzle sections there are people attacking you you have to figure out how to even find weapons and attack them and just generally try to avoid rats and uh, other things that can hurt you uh, so there's there's kind of a mix of this puzzle game and this action game and one of them is done much better than the other. And it's probably not the one you think it is when you look at for a Beavis and Butthead game. 
I, I wonder, uh, you wouldn't, you know, you think Beavis and Butthead, you don't really think point and click um, game. I, 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 you know, but they really wanted to do it. Cause I, I mean, I told you I was a fan uh, on the PC, they had a game virtual stupidity. Um, and it was strictly a, a point and click game. Um, so, I, so I guess there's a strong desire there to put these two in that kind of video game. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, it's, point and click light you know i mean it still controls fine this is not uh one of our famous you know retrovaniacs pc ass games or anything like that um it's a great feel to it and i love the the little callbacks uh if you're a big fan of the show at the time uh you know just seeing them start off in that living room that you see every single episode and just kind of looking through that 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 TV and, and getting a look at the the locations uh you know uh, the show was not known for uh you know any places the movie took them a little further but the show was kind of always you know centrally located within within their town um so already seeing the these little things there uh if you were a fan of the show um you know it, it, you're pretty enthused at this point and yeah um you know, immediately when I was sitting down there and just kind of getting the feel for the controls on the first level I played, uh, I, I knew, I knew that jump was going to be trouble. Um, it, it wasn't bad enough that I recalled it over the years. You know, I usually know a game's controls are pretty damn bad if I remember them, you know, 20 plus years later or, you know, or whatnot. But, um, no, uh, I, I just knew I, I had good, good feelings playing through this early on. Uh, and as soon as I saw that floaty jump, uh, you know, I thought to myself, well, you know, as long as this doesn't become a big issue later on, I think we're going to be just fine. So here's like the interesting thing about this. Like Billy mentioned the virtual stupidity game for the PC, which is mm -hmm. a full on point and click adventure game. It's actually mm -hmm. pretty cool if you're, if oh, you're it a Beavis and Butthead fan. Yes. I'm going to tell you right now, that's the one to play uh, to but get that the is I, not to do not to do a quick review on it. But it is uh, I it's it's 100 percent the the same quality of what was on TV brought to life. Uh, yeah. And it really seems like it's done really well. It's all, you know, voiced and, and it's it's fine. It's it's pretty decent. But I played some of the Super NES version mm -hmm. and that one is just a straight platformer. Mm -hmm. There's no mm -hmm. actual adventure game stuff in it. It's it's the same storyline. You know, you you're we want to go see a Guar concert. You're you're going through these same uh, the stages and all this stuff. It, it, and but it's just a straight platformer. So it's like they decided to take the PC version and the Super NES version and kind of stick those two together. Yeah in this ungodly amalgamation of like a platforming <laughs> point and click adventure game. And I don't know what to think about it because it is, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of excited about it at some point because like, mm -hmm. I don't think I remember too many games like this, but at the same time, it's really bad. <laughs> like It's just <laughs> bad all around. It is the complete opposite of, of how to really go about this. But that's exactly what this is. It is a platformer that has been combined with a point-and-click game. Now, you mentioned the Super Nintendo uh, that you played uh, that was mostly action. 
uh, the 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 PC point and click that both of you have said is great is also uh, George had also said he highly recommends that, but didn't pick it for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately for us, he picked this one. And was the action section of the Super Nintendo game like was it a, an okay action platformer? It's it works. It's not great. Like it's not a you know super tight platformer that you'd want to run out and and, and play right now. <laughs> but it is a it's you know it's fine. It it plays more like an actual like platforming mm-hmm. game. You can switch mm-hmm. between Beavis and Butthead. It's it's just it's not bad. And that's exactly what I thought the Genesis version was because I started playing this one. I did not know we were actually supposed to play Genesis version. By <laughs> default, we always just choose the Super NES version because those two systems, unless otherwise mentioned, sorry people, but the Super NES version is usually always the better choice to go with. Oh, you're going to hurt we, some We've people. had some and games. I've been really nice lately. We've had some <laughs> games where the Genesis version well, is I'm, the superior version. But but in I, general, I don't think what you just said is wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's... I just, you know, that's what I went with. So I played like three or four stages of the Super NES version, and then I was I was told that we were supposed to be playing the Genesis version. And I was like, well, you know, what's the difference? And then I loaded up the Genesis version. And I was like, what the hell is this shit? Like, this is not exactly what anyone would... would this kind of almost reminds me of like when EA was making those weird Genesis games that just kind of seemed like a PC game. Mm-hmm. It's just, It kind of feels like that. It's just this janky concoction of of two genres that's been forced onto a console that doesn't want any part of this. Well, and and it has many bad attributes of both kinds of games. So to start with the adventure game section where you pick up and use items, um, one, you have a life bar. Each of Beavis and Butthead have their own. It's not really life. They, They call it in the book like it's their attention span, but essentially it's a life bar. If you get hit by people who are attacking you, if you get bit by rats, if you fall into uh, in, in the sewer level that we're going to talk about, if you jump into the sewer part, you don't immediately die, but you do take a chunk of your life slash attention span. And the only way to get it back is to eat food items that either drop from certain enemies or uh, are laying in the levels at specific places and they don't regenerate. So if you've gone, I mean, they do if you leave the town area and come back, but if you are there the first time, it's only there once. Um, if either Beavis or Butthead take enough damage to fall asleep or go unconscious or whatever, you die. That's it. And you go back to the house, and you start from scratch, as in from scratch from the whole game, from any progress you've made. The only way to get around that in the in the base cart version is in your room, there's a poster on the wall where you can you know tape the pieces of your, of your, uh, your tickets, and it gives you a password that saves what items you have in your person and what puzzle, what, uh, puzzle, what ticket pieces you already have saved. Mm-hmm. So... Theoretically, if you're playing this on the cart, then you you must constantly be writing down 15 character passwords every time you make any progress, or else when when one of your characters dies, and it's going to happen in some of these areas fairly frequently, uh, you have to load from the very start of the game. There are no checkpoints. Did you see that password screen? (laughs) Yes, the password screen looks like it's them taking a pop quiz, and it is very busy, and the password is very slow to type in. I am not a fan of the passwords in this game. Some of the letters aren't even the right letters. It's like it's got the uppercase and the lowercase, but then some of the lowercase 
it's not even the right lower it's lowercase l is uppercase l yeah it's just a mm-hmm. smaller l yeah I, I don't know if that's supposed to be because beavis and butthead are fairly unintelligent if so that's great but <laughs> but it definitely would have been a pain to have to type that in over and over again now thankfully i'm pretty sure all of us were playing this on something you could do some save stating with uh, i guarantee you right now if i wasn't there's no way i would have finished this game uh, because there are parts of this game where if you die and there are some almost unavoidable the first time instant deaths you yes. would have to go back to that password screen and then anything you did in those areas you know we mentioned in in your house you can leave to go to any of these areas so let's let's kind of instead of talking in generalities let's, let's do a few specifics here because i think it makes a lot of sense uh, you can go to any of these areas first but some of them are automatic dead ends uh if you go to the guar concert obviously you don't have your tickets you can't get anywhere if you go to the drive-in you're supposed to have three dollars to get in the drive-in and i think you start mm-hmm. the game with like 10 cents or 15 cents or something it's like not nearly three dollars you've got to figure out how to get money so the drive-in's kind of a dead starter too uh you can go to anywhere else though you can go to the mall or the street outside of your house burger world the hospital or the high school from the beginning and theoretically you could probably get pretty far in any of those areas I went to Burger World first, and I think that's the right choice because yes. you can get a weapon fairly easily there. Otherwise, the only weapons that Beavis and Butthead start with at the very beginning of the game is that Beavis will burp and Butthead will fart. Uh, again, we're very, you know, this is this is fitting for these characters, and it's okay, and they are usable weapons in the loosest form of the word, but they are not going to get you very far. You need to find a real weapon, and thankfully there's one that's outside of Burger World. When you get to Burger World, you're going to see immediately you come in in front of Burger World, and all of a sudden Todd, uh, who's from the show, like this older, cooler kid that picks on them, uh, is is basically coming out throwing oil at you, and you have to run away from him because you have no way to really defeat him because he hurts you pretty badly every time he hits you, and you know your burp or fart isn't going to do enough damage. So if you run to the side of Burger World to another screen, you can then see a dumpster in the background. You can walk up to that dumpster, and while there are rats all over the place that do bite you if you don't constantly jump and get away from them, you will find a spitball straw on the ground. And now you have spitballs, and you have a weapon that one of your two characters can use. Uh, as long as you have the spitball as your active uh, attack item, because on your inventory screen you'll have like kind of an attack item and a inventory item that you can move back and forth. Uh, you can then you know shoot spitballs and you'll be able to take out Todd. And thankfully, when you kill enemies like Todd or some of the others that fire things at you, they will give you health items as well. So you can t- kill Todd, and then you go into Burger World, and this guy's there, uh, customer who's a guy that was on the show uh, and basically demanding service. Well, Beavis and Butthead work at Burger World, so you figure, okay, I'll just go into the back and figure out what to do. This was the first time, and this is literally five minutes into the game, where I could not figure out what to do. And I think I eventually figured out how you'd, you'd get this clue. I thought maybe it was in the manual. It's not. And then I thought maybe I just missed something. <laughs> so to get into the restaurant, there's a passcode door that's an eight-number password. And it looks like an old push-button phone. Uh, in that it has, you know, number one is blank, number two underneath says ABC, number three says DEF. So it's like a, an old push-button phone. And you're supposed to figure out this eight-character password. And I, I was like, how am I sp- – I don't know what this password is. I'll find it later. And I never mm-hmm. found it uh, generally. I did figure out, I think, how you're supposed to find it. But I didn't find it the right way. So I eventually just looked it up, and everything online was like, yeah, the password's just the word butthead. But, you know, converted to numbers. I'm like, how how would you know that? Would you just assume it's eight characters, butthead is eight characters, you'd fill it in? I, I mean, did you guys know or have to look that up, or did you figure out – either by chance or the actual puzzle to figure out the password for that door. 
this was the point where I just I kind of like I, I was like you. I figured I would just figure it out later on or something. It would show up in one of the other levels. But I played a lot of the other levels, and and pretty much all of them are are self-contained as far as like what you can do. Like you can find items that you can take to other stages and stuff like that. But as far as like the levels themselves, they're mostly self-contained as as far as like getting the piece of the ticket and what you need to do in those levels. So I just I I never figured it out. This is one. Well, a lot of this game I never figured out. This is a game that made me more angry the more I looked up the solutions. <laughs> yes, yes, to 100%. what I was supposed yeah. to do. Because this is one of those what the fuck am I supposed to do kind of games. And you like it does at least give you all of these different levels that you can go to and, and explore, but you can't really get very far in them unless you know exactly what you need to do. And those things that you need to do are some of the most obscure PC bad or bad PC adventure game solutions that you could ever imagine. And it is literally just kind of guessing and hoping that you're, you're doing the right thing. But yes, the butthead thing, I don't think it's in the game. I don't, is there a, how did you find out that there's like, it's supposed to be butthead because well, I don't think it's in the game. I looked it up on game facts when I couldn't figure it out, but Later in the game, in the mall, when you go to the ice cream shop, there's a bathroom. And written on the wall of the bathroom, it's something like, for bad food, remember butthead. Now, I oh, okay. think right. that's the clue. I think so. Now, I'm not positive, I mean, but nothing else will make any I sense. But, but that's, I mean, again, sure, maybe you've explored all these areas. The game does kind of allow you to explore the other five areas of the game. The, the mall, the street, Burger World, the hospital, and Highland High School without needing to go anywhere else first again the last two areas the drive-in and the guar concert you can go there but you won't get into anything until you have either enough money or the tickets so in those first five areas i guess you could spend a lot of time just really mapping out the area um burger world is essentially just three screens or i guess four screens you got the outside of burger world mm -hmm. then uh the side where the uh, the door to get to the back is or to get to the the inside of the is and then the dumpster area um the mall is probably the biggest area in the game because it's a two floors of a mall. Each floor has three or four places to stop, and you can go in all of them. Uh, the bottom of the mall has like a, a pet store and a toy store, and the upper part of the, st of the mall has a uh, military recruiter and uh, the place you sell some items. That's how you're going to get your money is having certain items you can sell at the mall. And then there's also an ice cream shop, I think, at the top, although it might be at the bottom. Uh, but the only thing at the ice cream shop you can get is you can get another one of those spitball straws, and that's where the bathroom is. Uh, so you can see the code for that, plus that's where you get some soap that you'll need. A lot of the puzzles in this game, once you look up the answer, you're like, I guess I understand the logic, but there's nothing that would in any way help you figure out what you need. Like in a lot of these other point-and-click games... Uh, let's say, let's talk about the soap. So when you first get to the mall, there's a laundromat in the mall. You try to go to it, and the, and the cop, there's a, a police officer standing outside. He's like, you can't go in here. You have no reason to be here. If you have the pants from your house and you get the soap bar from the bathroom in the ice cream shop, you can now go into 
the uh, into the laundromat because you have soap and pants. If it would have said like you can't go into there, and then like a little button, like a little blurb came up, and it's like perhaps if you had some kind of soap and some clothes mm. to wash, like that mm. would have helped you know what to do. But otherwise, you need to just kind of randomly have these things in the same person's inventory and then go in there. And then the actual way to get the ticket piece that's in the laundromat part of the mall requires that you have some oil and that you go all the way to the other end of the the the, the screen to where the la- there's like a, an old woman sleeping doing her laundry. And again, this is another thing. If you don't have the oil in your inventory and as your active item, you open the door and she hears the door open and she freaks out and you know, you immediately die. If you have the oil in your inventory, which is car oil by the way, the idea is you've you've put it on the on the uh, on the door so it doesn't squeak when you open it, and that way you can open up her laundry and steal the ticket. It doesn't explain that. It doesn't even explain that in the solution. It's like if you don't have the oil, she screams and kills you. If you do have the oil, then you you open the door and you get it fine. It doesn't even have like a blurb that makes you feel better. Like your idea of putting oil on the door helped you get this ticket. Like there's all the puzzles in this game are. Like, yeah, if they work, they work, and you kind of need them explained to you outside of the game to why the logic makes any sense whatsoever. Did you, I, it, did either of you, and this this goes beyond the, the fact that the puzzles are so obtuse, when when you find the solution to these things, and yeah, like you, you think the, the oil, the door, and things, did any of you have a problem with the fact that how are these two, which are not presented as the most intelligent intelligent beings, how are they figuring out to do this shit? Um, I, I, I think from a, from a writing standpoint, I think they gave Beavis and Butthead a little too much credit. They never really struck me as crafty characters. Um, so I, so I always thought kind of that puzzle-solving kind of mechanic to it was just, just kind of out of place in this one. I was too busy wondering how the fuck I was figuring this shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not even them. I, I was completely clueless, like Jeremy just said. There was a bunch of puzzles where I just... I mean, if I didn't have a, the the ability to look up game facts, which in you know 1994 I really wouldn't have, mm-hmm. I would never have gotten one piece of these tickets. I, I Did either of you do the military guy? Yeah. Yeah, I, I finished the game. What the fuck? Like, was that ever explained anywhere? No. I was so angry with that solution. Yeah, so if you go to the recruiter, uh, there's two things in the recruiter's office, other than the recruiter himself, is there is a bomb on the shelf, which mystically you can take and he doesn't give a shit. Nothing happens. You can take it and walk out of there, and you, in fact, need it for another puzzle. Uh, There's also a file on his desk, which, again, why would you think you need this file? It's not like you can see there are tickets pointing out from underneath or, like, it's a file that says ticket pieces or even anything that would lead you to believe you need these files. It says, Mm. I think it says, like, secret file or something completely unimportant to Beavis and Butthead's life. But if you pick up the file and he's standing there, he, you know, basically screams at you and I think sends you to the military and the game ends for you, right? So so you can't just pick up that file. You need to go in there with a snake that you buy at the pet store that scares him because he's afraid of snakes, but nothing anywhere in the game would lead you to believe that he's afraid of snakes, except that snakes are naturally scary, and I get that. But but you wouldn't think I have to buy a snake from the pet store and then go over to this military recruiter and have it in my inventory when I go talk to him, and then all of a sudden, you know, Beavis or Butthead will hold the snake and he'll freak out, and you can take the, the file and get your ticket piece. Yeah, no, that that's a perfect example of a puzzle where you're like, I, I get the logic now that I know it, but yes, the piece of, of information that said, oh, I hate 
I hate snakes, would have been helpful. Yes. And there, none of that is in this game. For almost every puzzle, it is. Hopefully, you have the item you need. Because the other downside is, you don't have an unlimited inventory. You can't just pick up everything you want, and hopefully you have it in your inventory and it works. One, you have to have it as your active item. And two, you can only hold four or five items at a time. So there's a bunch of times, especially if you've been picking up all the stuff, like when you fish the food out of your couch, that you're going to have two different, you know, both Beavis and Butter are going to have five different items in their inventory, and you can't pick up anything. Mm -hmm. So then if you're, like, outside of your house, the, there, there's a long series of bad platforming and action sections where you go through a sewer <laughs> and then through a junkyard to find a bone. And you need that bone to distract the neighbor's dog so that it won't attack you. That all makes sense, and the dog bone thing made I didn't ha I didn't need that explained. That's very clear. But if you get all the way to that bone through two big action stages, and you're like, oh crap, all my inventory's full, I have to drop something. There's a really really good chance you're leaving an item there you need for another puzzle, and you're mm -hmm. gonna have to go back through all these bad action sections to get that item back. Yeah. That is unbearable. It's fucking crazy. It's just like okay, so. We've already described that this game is like the worst of like trial and error as far as like a PC adventure game. But we've like barely mentioned that just about everywhere you go in this game, everything is hitting you. Yes. Like it's almost impossible to escape everything that's coming at you. There's whoever, whatever developer, fuck you. These fucking skateboards <laughs> and the shopping carts, fuck you. They just come out of nowhere. I'm always trying to run from the fucking thing that's chasing me that I can barely kill. And then a fucking skateboard just comes into the fucking screen and hits me or a shopping cart. It's all over this game and it just never stops. It's like the worst of both a, a very bad PC trial and error adventure game and a very mm -hmm. bad platformer that is just constantly throwing shit at you. And you can't, it's, it's almost impossible to man to manage at all. Like you're, you're trying to constantly manage your health, your inventory and knowing exactly where you need to go to do all of this and not die. It's almost impossible. I, I don't know how anyone did. I, I've said this about other games on this podcast before. This one has to be one of the ones that it just mystifies me that how you would ever figure this out without some sort of guide. Yeah, the, the puzzles in general are unintelligible. The logic, again, makes sense, but you have to draw a lot of conclusions the game doesn't give you. So once you do get that, you're like, oh, I, I mean, why didn't you just tell me that guy was afraid of snakes? Or, uh, you know, there's, there's a part later in the game where you're supposed to go to that drive-in and get a lady to chase you, and you have to have already kind of destroyed a snack bar so that she'll slip on it. Like, how would you know to do these things? Uh, <laughs> but, but aside from the fact that it's, it is a completely PC logic but in a bad way adventure game, like you just kind of touched on, the platforming in this game is maybe the worst of anything we've covered anytime recently. I'm sure that we've covered something with worse platforming, but I, I could not think of it. The, 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 the jump is a little bit floaty, which you already mentioned. Uh, the characters are huge because you look like Beavis and Butthead. It, they're they're mm -hmm. very large-sized characters. And if you're running and jumping, you will not see the thing you're trying to land on yeah. on the screen because your characters are so big. I think the platforming is bad because, one, they throw everything at you. So there's, you know, the skateboards, there's bowling balls, the, the shopping carts you mentioned. There's just stuff constantly coming at you that you can't see until it's basically on top of you. If they would have scrolled out just a little, like if your characters were half as big and the screen scrolled out a little bit, all those action things that I have a complaint about, almost all of them go away. 
I, yeah, I agree. I mean, yes, you. It's still a shitty platforming game, but you know, it's 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 cool that they're that big and that they're that well represented and stuff like that. But still, man, this is a this is a bad platforming game. If they would have maybe just kind of kept it as a shitty PC adventure game with just a tiny bit of of action in there, like with the guns and stuff that you can eventually get and and kill things a little bit easier, but there's they've they've thrown in way too many things that that require actual platforming the sewer oh this the sewer the, I don't, the I don't, shit if you hits played the this game then you know in the sewer yes um the sewer is when <laughs> it's the first time for me at least playing through this thing where where the game all of a sudden uh it thinks it's fucking mario it it wants to be a serious platformer it wants you to pull off uh, some some nice precise jumps and it is fucking dismal it's long and the, the unfortunate you know second part of that is it's the first half of two action sequences you have to go through and then go back through with little to no healing so you not only have to get through this terrible platforming which hurts you constantly things are falling from the ceiling there's rats everywhere it's just miserable mm-hmm. you have to get to the other side get what you need get back with with like, i think two healing items total in there it is brutal. It is a gauntlet. But I think the worst part of this game, hands down, in the hospital, is a section where you have to <laughs> oh steal someone's God. scooter and then drive through the hospital while this big fat guy chases you, trying not to hit medical bags. I, we've, we're now at, what, 116, 126, 2,000 episodes? I don't know what we're at. But this section of the game is the closest I've ever come to quitting not just the game, but this podcast. I was so mm. mad at this section of the game. I, I, I don't, I don't know how. I just so the hospital itself is one of two ways that you can actually heal yourself in this game. I, I don't think we've mentioned it unless I blacked out. But like, it's you can get health from if you manage to kill some of the guys that are on the screen. You can get a cheeseburger, or whatever, and heal yourself. The hospital. If you go to the restaurant and there's a there's a gross burger out by the the garbage bin or whatever, you can eat that. So if you go to the hospital after that and go to the nurse's office, that's the other way you can actually heal yourself. And that's mm. kind of what I thought the hospital was for. But then I after you leave the you know you try to leave, you can't actually leave. There's like a guy like just blocking the exit. I, I think you can actually maybe kill him if you've got the gun or something like that, but I could not deal anything with him. So you go a little bit forward, and then it turns into really bad battle toads. And you're trying to basically just outrun this super fat guy that's chasing you. And I kept seeing the the little boxes that are littered on the ground, and they're, they're health. But they're not. <laughs> and they have the medical symbol on them. So I was like, oh, my God, I can get health as I'm going through here. Maybe it'll make me faster. No, they slow you down. They're not health at all. They're obstacles in your way. And if you hit, like, three of them, this dude will crush your ass. Game yeah. over. Instantly. Yeah. Instant game over. And, and, again, if you're playing this on the cart, it means you're now back at your house. You have to type in a dumbass password, get through the part of the hospital to get there, and then try again. And it's not like it's just 10 or 20 bags long. It is the longest dumb shit section like this we've ever covered. Uh, George had asked me which I'd rather do, 
this or the Battletoads bikes, and it's not even comparison. The Battletoads bikes was infuriating, but not like this. This was, if I would have had to do this without uh, save state cheating it, uh, and then having to load from the house every time, I would never have gotten even a fourth of the way through this. It is the most miserable section of any game we've covered, in my opinion. I have never been so mad at a game as I was during the <laughs> hospital like scooter section of this game. Because it really is. It, the game is, is, again, if you were zoomed out more, maybe I would have changed my mind. And I think that's why I, I would rather do the speeder bike part of Battletoads. Because you're still far enough away that generally you can dodge things. And in the section where you're going really fast and the walls are coming up back and forth, they flash for a second so you can see where they're supposed to be. This doesn't even do that. This just, they show up, and they just, they kill you instantly, and that's it. There's no midpoint. There's no checkpoints. You don't get to start right at the beginning of it, even. You have to start back at your damn house, typing in a password to try again. It is, it is unbelievably awful, and I hate it. And unfortunately, you have to do it to finish the game, because at the end of that, inexplicably, after you finish that section, the big fat guy falls down the stairs, and he has a piece of ticket on him. I don't know why he does. doesn't matter. You get that piece of ticket. The fucking just the the tickets themselves and where they end up. The dude in the restaurant, when you serve him the rat burger, you know, when you do finally get into the restaurant, you're supposed to like uh, there's a rat out by the garbage mm-hmm. bin along with that that shitty burger that I was just talking about. You're supposed to take the rat back into the restaurant and then fry it up with some fries and then give it to the guy. And the guy pukes out a ticket. Yes. Like what? What the? Why, why does he have it in his stomach? Like, there's just so many things that's just like, it seems like it's completely forced. Well, that, yeah. that, like, these are the solutions. The, oh, even the, the drive-in lady that chases you, again, if she slips on the floor and falls, then a ticket falls out of her pocket. Like, all the places the tickets are generally uh, are terrible. They don't make any sense. And they don't have to because, again, it's a Beavis and Butthead game. I get the logic of why these things would be there in general to be funny, I, I guess. But, yes, it is... It's crazy the, the the logic you need to finish these puzzles, but the action parts are somehow even worse than the logic you need to solve the puzzles. Now, if you did manage to to get all nine pieces of the Guar tickets, you go to the Guar concert, you give the guy at the front your tickets, you can walk into the door and you see Guar play on stage, I mean in Beavis and Butthead cartoon format, and the game ends. There is a secret ending. I don't know if either of you guys got that far or cared to try to get the secret ending of this game but it requires that you not only don't go into the door at the end but keep walking that you have two items you can only get kind of if you've really really explored everything so if you have um i forget which item but later in the game you get a fishing pole and the fishing Mm. pole will let you take certain items you find a boot you find the donut you find a um piece of pizza and if you're on your couch with the fishing pole is one item and the other item is the other you'll do couch surfing where you throw your fishing line out the door out the window i mean and catch stuff outside so you'll get um, a piece of ticket comes that way when you use a piece of gum Uh, you can use the piece of a donut and a police officer will come in the window ha 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 Uh, there's there's all these things you can do to find items one of those items you put through the window and i forget which one will give you a cat and the cat just shows up, and you can pick it up into your inventory, and you don't do anything with it till the very, very end of the game. The other thing you have to have is you have to have gone into the doctor's office when you're sick, gotten healed, and then jumped on the bed and tried to grab stuff off the wall, which looks like it's just decoration, but there's a pair of scissors up there, and you have to have the scissors. So you have to go to the Guar concert with your tickets, make sure you have this cat and your scissors in your inventory, 
And then if you run past the main door, instead of going into Seaguar, you'll go in through the stage entrance at the end after you use the cat to stop a dog from attacking you and use the scissors to cut the line on, like, a sandbag to stop the guy who's blocking the stage. And then you can go on stage and dance with Guar as your hidden ending. Man, no thank you. Well, uh, that's, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, my fucking head hurts just from that description. Why? You think. And you wouldn't even Did know it's there mean? except that when you beat it the first time, it's like, you know, you got to see the band, but could you really see the band or something like that? And then you know you can find some other I way to get to it. it. Um, Jesus, that is, I, I don't know. I, I think in a game that's already asking maybe a little too much of the player, that that's that's going too far. I, the game's already gone too far. Um, but th- that's, that's a step beyond. I do want to note um, that the one thing maybe keeping me sane at this point in time as I play through the game as you have a uh, you have a little gun that you can use um, and, and you take a knee when you shoot it uh, and, and I never failed no matter how frustrated I was with this game I never failed to laugh at, at whether it was a guard or whatnot just getting pelted in the crotch continuously um, with these projectiles uh, because I am a child and probably because I was cracking as I play through this, um, I, I did find that to be quite humorous in a game that, you know, to be a Beavis and Butthead game, uh, stop being funny uh, pretty quickly. I, I think this game has some good humor, like as, as far as oh, like, yeah. the TV show goes. It's just it's it's kind of what, everywhere. What's, if you what's, like what's left of you, though? Yeah, uh, well, there's point, not while much. you're playing through. At this point, but this, I mean, but yeah, the, the characters and the humor and stuff like that, it, it's there, mm. but it's, it, you have to really, really just kind of, like I said, as when you first start the game, it's there and the, it's all fine. But like, once you start peeling away is like what you need to do and what you need to figure out. Yes. The game becomes less humorous because you want to kill yourself as you play it. But then there's just, I, I still enjoyed the representation of what they of Beavis and Butthead in this game, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they they've done it very well. The characters are all there. I think it sounds pretty good, but this game's an abomination. It just it is absolutely horrible. Like if you want to play a good platform, not good, but playable Beavis and Butthead uh, platforming game, there's the Super NES version. Yeah. If you want to play a decent point-and-click adventure there's the pc version yeah this is horrible (laughs) yeah that's the thing and and that's right where i was too uh there are better versions of the the two styles this game is trying to do out there um and i mean nowadays there's no reason i mean you you're not quite as limited where you know it's all right you know I, i only have my Genesis, I guess I'm playing this one because I want to play a Beavis and Butthead game. Um, I mean, nowadays there's, there's man, uh, if you want to, uh, if you're a Genesis enthusiast, if you're, if you're trying to complete a library out there or, or whatnot, uh, sh- God damn. Uh, <laughs> if you're desperate, if you are desperate here in 2020 to play a Beavis and Butthead video game on the Sega Genesis, then I guess do it. Yeah, this is this is one that just uh, I, I I came into it with really high hopes. You know, I you know I said that the the old nostalgia kept coming back to me uh, from the moment you know that that title screen popped up there. 
Uh, but it just, it quickly kind of broke down, which is a shame because, like Jeremy was saying, they're giving you um, a pretty good representation of the show on there as far as the, the subject matter and the, and the voice acting here and there. Uh, but it just, it ends up being in a game that, that becomes less and less tolerable as you go along. Billy, I have to ask you a question. Yeah, you okay. You played this with, with your friend back in the day. And I don't think we mentioned that this is actually two-player co-op. Yes. How? How did you do Not it? easily. <laughs> and not for long. <laughs> you know, because when you rented something from Blockbuster, you had it for the weekend. Um, and I think that, you know, by Saturday evening, uh, something else was being played. It may... <laughs> It made it through Friday night. Um, no, I don't remember that. I don't remember a lot of details of it. I just remember uh, the fact that this game sat there, you know, rented for the weekend, uh, but it, it got played hot and heavy one night. Um, so that's, you know, that probably says enough. I, I don't remember the details, but I think that simple fact says all you need to know about the co-op experience. So that's our thoughts on the Beavis and Butthead game on the Genesis. Uh, basically try another format, but it does offer uh, at least a, an interesting amalgamation of two game types. And if you really like Beavis and Butthead, I guess it can't hurt to try it. Uh, so thank you again to George P. for recommending it. And if you want to pick a game that we have to cover, the best way to do that is to join our Patreon. The, the link is always in the comments for this podcast, but it's also all over our social media. And you can go to retrovania.net and there is not only a link to our patreon that would allow you to pick a game but links to our social media sites and most importantly at the very bottom there's a form there you can use and check this out guys you can put in whatever you want to ask and we will answer it on the show like we're gonna do mm -hmm. right now uh, it's proof positive of that this episode uh, but our first uh, <laughs> question is going to come in from Joey M, and he's writing in about Willie Beamish, which was our previous oh, episode. In case hot you didn't topic. And he wants to say, uh, seriously, just play Willie Beamish on the PC. I couldn't deal with the Sega CD version, but the original DOS version is actually pretty damn good. I even keep an old 386 around just to play games like Willie, but of course you can use the DOS box instead. It's also one of those games that's better if you play the floppy disk version. No loading, no voices you can barely understand, better music and graphics. No stupid cock rock opening sequence. Also, make sure you go back and examine the toilet in Willie's house. I promise it's worth it. <laughs> Rarely do I hear that when it's time to, to examine a toilet. Um, no, I actually, shortly after uh, we recorded, I just, you know, for the hell of it, I went over on Good Old Games. Uh, it's on there. Uh, you, you can, you can play Willie Beamish right now if you want for five ninety nine. I guess you can, you can pop that, uh, that PC version in and give it a whirl. I, I liked Willie Beamish. I mean, I didn't have a lot of great things to say because of, of the downsides of the Sega CD, but I like point and click adventures. Mm -hmm. I, I would definitely give that a shot on something without mandatory voice explanations of every item you pick up. That was really, mm. uh, that was the breaking point for me, but, but yeah, no, I, I like point and click adventures. I would gladly try that on PC. So thank you for the recommendation. Mm -hmm. You know, we say that, but like, didn't 
you know, most adventure games back in the day on the PC, just about anything you looked at would have a mandatory voice explanation of it. Was it just that we could generally skip through it or something? I didn't play that many, but uh, it seemed like it was fairly common. It is. It's common for a specific time frame. Again, the, the invention of CD-ROM as a standard way to get games meant everyone tried to use it at the fullest extent. So every every soundtrack was, you know, fully orchestrated and everyone that could talk would talk cuz they had all this extra space to do it in. It 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 is a time frame and it's a very narrow window really, you know, really you're talking 2 or 3 years. So some of those games and I mentioned King's Quest 7 is like that, Space Quest 6 was like that and and of course Willy Beamish uh, on the Sega CD was like that, but you can play a bunch of older point and click adventure games that don't have that problem. All right, thank you, Joey M., for sending that one in. We will definitely check that out in a less painful version. It might be actually pretty <laughs> fun. Uh, now we have entered the semen grandpa uh, section of the episode. <laughs> I need to make an alert for that for, for future uh, shows. Yeah, well, it's here. Uh, so we've got three emails that I'm just going to throw out here that's, that all has to do with semen grandpa. First comes in from Taintosaurus Rex, and he <laughs> wants to say, oh, my God. I had no idea what a Willy Beamish even was until your latest episode, and I can honestly say I wasn't exactly looking forward to learning about it, but that all changed the instant Seaman Grandpa was mentioned. <laughs> it caught me so off guard that I almost swerved off the road because I laughed so hard. I even had to go look up whatever you guys were talking about when I got home just to see Seaman Grandpa for myself. All I can say is, Jeremy G., please seek professional help. <laughs> also, thanks to you all, I will now never be able to keep a straight face when someone mentions Willie Beamish in the future. Next email comes from Laura from Louisville, and uh, she has a question for us three. I was hoping that you could shed some light on what that seaman grandpa do. And then finally, uh, Ben writes in to say, seaman grandpa. Imagine seeing a nice old man in a game and instantly thinking of a semen grandpa. Thank you for making my entire week, though. Here's to you, semen grandpa. All right, listen, assholes. <laughs> semen grandpa's real. Billy even knows who this is. This is this is the same person that shit himself in Ace Hardware. <laughs> Which oh god damn. <laughs> this is all right, so listen. When I was a kid, my, one of my first jobs out of high school was working at Ace Hardware. Oh, holy fuck. I, I have tried. I have begged for this fucking story to be no, retold. No, I'm, I'm not telling that one. I'm just not... going to tell you about Seaman Grandpa <laughs> and where he came from. If anyone wants to know about Seaman Grandpa shitting himself in an Ace Hardware, we'll talk about that later. But this was when I first started working at Ace Hardware. I was fresh out of high school. My dad actually got me this job. Ooh. I don't even like hardware. I he just knew the guy, and so he thought I needed a job, and so I started working there. Oh. And I was, I was what was like seventeen, eighteen, whatever. And everyone else there was like fifty and sixty years old. And one of the guys was named Mikey, and he looked exactly like Colonel Sanders. Like I'm not even kidding. Like literally, exactly like Colonel Sanders. He was this pleasant old Colonel Sanders-looking guy. But it turns out he was actually the dirtiest old man that ever existed. <laughs> so, like, I would go in there on days and he, he would just spend like half the day talking about how he would get like homeless hookers to live with him because, you know, they were homeless and they needed some place to live. And their rent, they didn't pay rent. He would give them a hearty handshake because oh, that boy. was their rent. Well, this is so, going to get us the mature mark. 
So I'm just saying, this is where this came from. I wasn't the one that came up with semen grandpa. I semen mean, grandpa existed before uh, me. Well, that's a so, much darker turn than, than I expected <laughs> for the origins of semen grandpa. This is real. And, uh, you know, he was like 85, 90 back in the day. Uh, so I'm, he's not around anymore. But, like, this was what I dealt with most days when I went to work and, and he was working there was just, like, listening to him tell these horribly dirty stories about what he did to his homeless hookers the night before. And it was incredibly hard to listen to because it was coming from the nicest-looking old man that I've ever <laughs> seen in my entire life. So I just sat there just the whole time kind of, like, throwing up. But still, it was funny because it was coming from Colonel Sanders and eventually that just he was he turned into semen grandpa. So when I saw that in Willie Beamish, he looks like that kind of oh, god damn. But if he just looked more like Colonel Sanders than Willie Beamish, but you know he has that gray hair and the not the conductor hat or anything, but like the <laughs> mustache and stuff like that. I but tell like, you, if that fuck if that old man in real fucking life wore the conductor. Hat. Well, if he yeah, I wish that didn't happen though. Maybe it happened after hours at his house with his hookers, but oh, it didn't happen at work. But yeah, that's that's where semen grandpa came from. Mikey was uh, was good old semen grandpa. So wow. yes, now now you know the origin story of semen grandpa. Maybe eventually we will get to that point where I can tell that story of when he just shit himself. Somebody ask for it. Uh, do it for me. <laughs> he won't do it for me. He'll do it for you. How do you get that old and still be Mikey? Like, why Why don't you... You never took the uh, the fucking jump where you became like Mike or Michael or something like that. I, I, I guess I he was know. young at heart. I, I was shocked. Like, I grew up in the church. You know, I went to church for like 16 years straight of my entire life. So I grew up around at least very honorable senior citizens and, and older people you're just like wow these people have so much wisdom and i can learn so much from them and it i was you can learn a lot from him too mikey taught me more <laughs> as, from being a dirty old man than any of those other old old people taught me at the old folks home god this, <laughs> I, I wish i could just I, I there's literally no way i could tell the stories that mikey told me on a daily basis at ace hardware but just be assured that they were things that that no 17-year-old in their right mind should ever have to actually hear, especially coming from a 75, 80-year-old man that looks like Colonel Sanders. It was, it was, it was certainly a time. But anyway, thank you for all of you writing in about Stephen <laughs> Grandpa. Maybe, maybe now you can share my pain of, of seeing it. When that dude popped up in Willie Beamish as a ghost, I literally just had PTSD of a fucking Mikey back in the day Tell me I... Had a healthy sex life and good for him. Jesus. So... <laughs> If if I had known this correlation, I, I knew of this man. If I knew of this correlation, I would have told Jeremy P to act like none of us saw that ghost in the game. <laughs> I honestly thought it was Just because think it was you. The the image of of Grandpa as a ghost with the ghost tail. I thought for some reason you thought that looked like semen. I mean, the that, actual that truth there. is much worse. Yeah, I mean that was there. He looks like a sperm. Like that's just, he looks, you know, he's got his little sperm tail, but, and, but yes, the combination of those two things together, because I'm sure Mikey's long dead. So, I mean, he just came back in Willie Beamish for me to see him again. And that's exactly where my mind went right there. Okay. So thank you, Mikey, wherever you are, probably the graveyard. 
But anyway, let's uh, let's move on to our final question. Oh, here thank God, there's another question. <laughs> it's not about it's not about semen, Grandpa, but it comes in from Don. And he says, "I love your podcast." Hey guys, I googled greatest contact form on the web and your site popped up. Oh, I, oh I knew finally. It. I knew it. Finally. I was shocked to find out that you also had a podcast about <laughs> retro gaming. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. This contact form is great, but I really discovered you guys when I was searching to see if anyone had done a podcast on Killer Instinct. You seem to be the only episode I could find on this classic from my childhood, and I was immediately hooked after listening to the entire episode. Over the past few months, I've gone through nearly every episode you've recorded, and I've really enjoyed them. The three of you have a great synergy. Billy is especially great to listen to. And while oh, I'm a few years younger on, than I'm you turning three, red. <laughs> and while I'm officially a few years younger than you three, I still find many of your stories relatable. I can appreciate that you try to go through the entire game and have a discussion on it. Too many gaming podcasts I listen to sound like the host played for 30 minutes to an hour, and I'm really getting their initial impression, along with some faint memories that they had while playing it way back when. Final Fantasy VIII is one of my favorite Final Fantasy games, partially because the nostalgia of me being a teenager and anticipating its release. It does have its problems, and you guys had very valid and detailed complaints. I think it's great that you guys even include a timestamp in the description for when the game start for when the game talk starts. But honestly, I enjoy hearing you guys talk about what you're currently playing before you get to the discussion about the game for the episode. My question for you three is what games do you consider to be immensely overrated? And what games do you consider are often too overlooked or underrated? Sorry for the long note. I've been lagging and sending this to you guys, but I really just wanted to express my appreciation for the hours of entertainment I've gotten from your podcast. Uh, first off, thank you for all the nice comments. And, and we started putting that timestamp in because someone else said they didn't like hearing what we were playing. And I think for time's sake, like if you're going to go back and listen to old episodes, you don't care what we're playing in 2015, and I don't blame you. So we, we do put the timestamp on so that in the future people can go, who cares about this? You know, I don't want to hear about monster hunter or whatever whatever game we're talking about and go right to the game uh, on the show so i'm glad that that you noticed that and also uh you know i i don't like final fantasy 8 i understand other people do and i i'm glad you you thought it was nice that we put real reasons into it other than just that the characters are terrible um you know overrated games and, and i like this game but i think one of the most overrated games of all time is easily final fantasy 7 I think it was it was a landmark game for a lot of folks because they weren't into games like this. And so for, for many, many people, uh, it is the game that introduced them to JRPGs. But for me, who had played you know Final Fantasy 2 II and 3 on Super Nintendo and many other uh, JRPGs, I thought 7 was just like a, a really cool-looking game with a neat story that went out of control, uh, but the actual game itself not, not super great. Now, I love Final Fantasy 7 in, in general. I think all the Final Fantasies, except for 8, are ones that I... I find things I like about, but I think 7 is, is extremely overrated. Um, the games we pick for this podcast, at least one of the ones I pick, uh, are games that I think are overlooked, that a lot of people don't give a, a chance to. I mean, I, I joke about it being one of the top three NES games, but at the same time, I'm dead serious. I think Goonies 2 is one of the best NES classic <laughs> games ever made, and people that don't like it, um, I, I understand it's a little hard to follow sometimes. The map's a little confusing, but it is... It is one of the games I can play over and over again, and I play constantly. So, you know, I like to pick games here that I think are overlooked, and, and that's how I'll bring attention to them. So really look at our history of games, and I think a, a third of them, the ones I picked, probably are ones I think are overlooked. 
and and oh it's it's hard to say um uh, and obviously uh, it's it's an unpopular opinion i revealed a dark secret years ago that i'm not a pac-man fan i i i grew up you know when when these fucking arcade games were coming out and and we're a ton of fun, and you know, you go to the arcade and you you play your Pac-Man, your 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 Galaga, and stuff like that. Uh, and I, oh boy, it's gonna draw some heat. But I, I just, I guess, I don't have an appreciation for for like those those pre-NES games, like a lot of people do. Even though I grew up right there, um, I I don't know. Uh, they, I could see they were kind of revolutionary for the time, obviously. And they were fun at the time. Um, but I, I, I just couldn't go back. I can't go back um, and, and play games like that for for the most part. Um, and I don't know why. Because uh, I, I love some, some simplistic-ass games. I love that goddamn adventure on the Atari. Uh, but, but things like Pac-Man, um, you know, that... Oh, boy. Even that first fucking Donkey Kong. Uh, there's just a handful of games that I, I think are being held up um, to this this incredible standard uh, by a lot of people that probably haven't played them that much, or else you'd find that there's you know unless you're trying to master the thing, just not a lot there. Uh, at least for me personally. Okay. Um. I, so yeah. I, I, I have to ask. Do you just not like games with no end? Um. Correct. Because what happens with me? With a game with no end, um, is I will play that game to no end. <laughs> I mean, I will just going. I, I like things that are. I mean, and, and that's I think a personality thing. I won't watch a fucking TV series until I know um, it's done and add a finale. Um, otherwise, I won't bother with it. Um, if, if a series of movies did not have a, a good final movie that kind of tied them up, I won't bother. Uh, regardless. Uh, of what they say about the the other ones in the series yeah i, I think i it's just me uh yeah that whole thing instead of just you know getting angry with me for for not liking these older older games i just feel bad for me uh obviously there, there's something something wrong with me I, I guess that's it but as far as as god underrated um you know it's hard to pick like one particular game and i'm like oh fuck you know, everybody slept on this one. But I, I just think of like an assortment of, you know, really mostly on the Super Nintendo of games I played through that I, I really loved that that were kind of unassuming. Um, you know, they're, they're games like fucking a lot of those side scrolling beat em ups on the Super Nintendo. I, there's Final Fight and Streets of Rage are the main two from the 16 bit era people talk about on the Super Nintendo and, and Genesis, you know respectively, but uh, there are just so many other fucking good ones out there, and, and a lot of them are movie tie-ins, like those Batman, the animated series one, and even goddamn Batman Returns that came out on the Super Nintendo, I thought were, were amongst some of the the most fun uh, side-scrolling beat-em-ups I had played. We did RoboCop versus Terminator, another kind of, not a beat-em-up per se, but uh, a, a lot of those side-scrolling uh, movie tie-ins in the, in the 16-bit era, um, I think people kind of ignored, or you know, there was a bad reputation because of their uh, their 8-bit counterparts. Um, but yeah, uh, just just a 
ton of those. There's a whole list of them I probably can't fucking think of. Um, I, I will also name drop a Goof Troop on the Super Nintendo, um, which, God, one of my favorite Super Nintendo games to this day. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, those are just some of the ones that I like that, you know, when you bring up, I think because of preconceived notions, and rightfully so with movie tie-ins, a lot of people just disregard. Uh, but there's some fun games there. I I got two really bad hot takes, which is really what all I can come up with right now. Oh, that's okay. Well, I only had one bad one, so that's right. good. Both of these are coming from the heart. Mm. Uh, I think Super Smash Brothers is way overrated. Mm. Yeah, I do not yeah. think it's a good fighting game. I think oh, it's just, no. I think it's a mash fest, and I think the uh, community for that, the whatever. Uh, professional fighting community that is for the Smash Brothers is a complete joke. Ooh. I think it's just terrible. Anytime uh, I watch gonna that, lose us I'm some sure followers. I'm sure there's there's some sort of technical play style that's there that is legit that I that I'm just not getting. So I'm yeah. gonna give it that. Smash Brothers is the that's the you know get drunk with a bunch of friends. Yes, fighting and game. Uh, and and I have actually really tried to you know I'm a big fighting game fan and I I, I enjoy Super Smash Brothers for what it is, mm -hmm. but for people to sit there and and compare it to the likes of Tekken or Street Fighter Five or or any Street Fighter any any actual fighting game that requires um, someone to actually like use timing and play it, yeah I think Super Smash Brothers is not even close. Mm -hmm. uh, I I think that's just I don't know that's just me. It's for me. It's it's whatever you know. It's it's getting a, a bunch of people together and being drunk and playing together and just mashing buttons and mm. stuff like that. So that is Smash Brothers to me. I, I think it's overrated, but I still think it's cool. Um, the underrated game. I'm I'm gonna go with Castlevania too. I am shocked. I I think it's. I don't think it's a good game. <laughs> but for what it is, I think it's like it's really cool for what they did. Like it, they literally tried this really crazy non-linear, almost like open mm. world kind of thing for a, a, a sequel on the NES. Mm. And to this day, I will still say it is a better sequel than Zelda 2. I will, uh, you know, and I will, I will back that to an extent. Um, but I, I thought it was really fucking neat that Nintendo had these hits. Um, but with the sequels, they just went, in a whole other direction and we're, and we're at least brave enough to like try something else. You know, Mario two, uh, was a departure, uh, to a great extent, Zelda two, Castlevania two. And, you know, th those games are of, of varying levels of, of fondness that they're remembered with. Uh, but uh, Castlevania two is at least, fuck, it's at least unique. Um, and, and I find and I, I don't know if you find the same, and that's kind of why you lump it in there, too. Uh, that when people complain about it, I, it's, it's not a lot of really varied, valid complaints. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people that, that hate on Castlevania 2 saw that, uh, that ABGN episode. Um, and that's kind of what they're loaded with as far as, you know, complaining about it. I, I think if you sat down and played it... Um, no, it's nowhere near as good as the other ones. But yeah, I think you're on to something with that. I was shocked because 
I thought I was the only Castlevania 2 defender. It turns out we're the only Castlevania 2 defending podcast on the internet. That's going to have to come <laughs> up in, a, in some kind of explanation somewhere. Because all three of us just had nice things to say about Castlevania 2. That has never mm. occurred. Mm-hmm. Even I, if those nice things were, it's not, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's it's not. It, I realize it's just become a meme at this point on the internet as being like the bad Castlevania, and I get that. You know, it's not like the other Castlevanias, but I think it's. You know, I'm not even trying to be like a weird hipster about it or anything. I, you know, I enjoyed playing it as a kid, and and like I once I figured out what I was supposed to do. That's the thing I think the game does worst is like not communicating what you need to do. But like once you know what you need to do, it's a pretty fun Castlevania adventure kind of game. Like it's it's way different than anything we ever got up until, you know, something like Symphony of the Night came out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, props on them for doing something completely different and trying something that was way outside their scope. And like I said, I still think it's better than Zelda 2. Anyway, that's going to do it for our questions this week, guys. Thank you for, so much for writing in. We've got a contact form on Retrovania.net. Like Jeremy P. said earlier, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, you can get to that contact form. Fill it out, send it to us, and we will read it, whether it be about weird hot takes that no one cares about or semen grandpa or whatever. <laughs> we'll probably read it. So thank you all for writing it again. And uh, we'll have some more questions next episode. We will. And next episode starts our Halloween coverage. This is our fifth Halloween together. I'm very excited. And because of the bonus Mm. shows as well, if you're a patron, Mm. that's four Halloween slash horror related games we're going to look at. Uh, None of them at this time are going to be Castlevania 2, but we kind of just gave away that we all like it. Uh, So take that from the only podcast on the Internet that supports Castlevania 2. Otherwise, we will be found everywhere on the internet at RetroVania.net or probably very soon if you just search podcast that likes Castlevania 2. And we will see you next time. Come on, Beavis. Okay. Fart knocker. All right. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Okay.